0: going today guys back here live in the studio for the episode of hot takes with tp3 on wednesday march 23rd 2022 i'm your host thomas penland joined on sweet 16 eve by ben goritz ben hey what's up to the people
1: i love this tournament i don't care how wrong or how dumb i look i love
0: this tournament yeah guys it's been a pretty crazy tournament so far ben where are you currently sitting at in our march madness pool
1: um so i put in two brackets
0: Same. um
1: my champion is still in uh, okay or one of my champions is still in the other one was kentucky um shout out the fraud john calipari i have i'm i'm sixth and seventh right now but my team that's sixth still has my champion of arizona in but i only have 1440 in my max points left so
0: that's not bad I basically
1: i basically need texas tech to be duke and arizona to win the championship and i will get paid out
0: um, I think, Ben, you might be in luck on Texas Tech beating Duke. The other part we'll discuss a little bit later. But um, yeah, guys, on today's podcast, we're going to break down for y'all all the games in Sweet 16, um, probably talk a little bit about what we witnessed in March Madness the weekend before. We're going to talk about, obviously, our quarterback headed to Indianapolis, talk about Tyree Kill in the NFL offseason. It's been absolutely crazy. Um, real quick, before we get into it, guys. So, like Ben said, one of my brackets is absolutely awful. I don't, know, I'm pretty sure it's like one of the top three worst brackets we had, and the one where I picked Auburn to win it all. Fortunately, though, I picked a lot different in my second bracket, and that one has me in 13th place with Villanova winning it all. So, hopefully, the Wildcats, man, five point favorites against the Wolverines can keep me, uh, keep my hopes and dreams alive of winning this bracket pool anyway, though. Ben, it was a sad, sad Monday for us, so I'm, I actually don't know if we had talked yet on the day. I know we talked discussed a lot after the trade happened, but I remember I was sitting there at my desk, and it was about 1.30 p.m. I just got done with my lunchtime workout, and I was just like, damn. We still haven't heard yet. Matt Ryan resigns his extension. I was like, damn, it's almost for sure that he's going to Indianapolis. Then you sent me the rumor that the Falcons were deep in trade talks at Indianapolis. Next thing you know, Matt Ryan gets traded to a third round pick. Before we get in all the weeds and everything and everything that's come out since, let's talk about the trade first, straight up. Um, look, Ben, I love it for Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan yeah. deserved to go to a winning team. He gets to pair up with Frank Reich, who in my opinion is one of the best coaches in the NFL. He gets a run game and an offensive line again with Jonathan Taylor. He does only have Michael Pittman to throw the ball to. I'm sure Indianapolis will address that and get him another weapon in there as well as they're a little lacking at the other wide receivers and tight ends with T.Y. Hilton on his way out of Indianapolis this offseason. But ultimately – it, honestly, it it made me even more sad today. Just reading Matt Ryan's goodbye to the city, like the fact that he made it like three pages, just gave me even more respect for him. Like Freddie Freeman, we watched him walk away. We watched him half-ass throw shade at our, at our team and try to say that it wasn't his fault that he left. He was either a disconnect between Freddie and the and his agent with Freddie and his agent, or Freddie was just lying about how everything went down because he was completely bullshitting on it. But Matt Ryan was the exact opposite. Matt Ryan was saying the city embraced him from day one. He embraced the city, and it, I don't. Know It made me really sad, honestly. That was how I started out my morning was reading that. And look, I want to say first thing is thank you. I know Matt Ryan will never listen to this and hear it, but thank you so much, Matt, for being the leader and the quarterback of our team. There's multiple season guys where this Falcons team was abysmal, and I watched them, Matt Ryan, get the shit beaten out of him. What did he do? He got up every single play and got back in there. He didn't care what the score was, if this team had three wins, if this team had 14 wins in the season. He didn't care. He was in there throwing the football. Matt Ryan is a true professional, and he is the embodiment of what you want your leader and quarterback to be of your team and your franchise. I can't thank Matt Ryan enough for everything he did for us. Honestly, it makes me sad to watch him move along. But with all that being said, Ben, Ben told me this. I didn't know this. Terry Fontenot came out and said that they, the franchise, was more focused on getting Matt Ryan to the right destination than getting something in return. The fact that we got a third-round pick for Matt Ryan kind of pisses me off, considering the fact we traded Sanu for a second and we traded Julio for a second and third. I do know he had a 40 million tag left on him, but by no means did the Falcons win this trade. But hey, I guess it was the you know we had to restart the rebuilding process at some point in time. I guess five picks in the first eight and the first 80 picks of the NFL draft is the best way to do it.
1: Yeah, you said it great. Um, I don't love our GM saying that, but I think it's just the the mutual respect that Mm -hmm. – to keep in mind, this is a new GM and new coach. They only had Matt Ryan for a year, and I thought they had nice messages about Matt. Listen, he – was it 2008 he got drafted? Yes. 2007, 2008, I think 2008. Um, The Falcons franchise needed stability, the previous franchise quarterback, and – probably the previous best player in franchise history had some legal issues going on and the Falcons really needed stability and leadership mm-hmm. in the quarterback position. He proved that from day one, um, took the third overall at Boston college. And he made this franchise better and honestly the city better in every way mm-hmm. that you would want a true leader to do. I mean, he's, in my opinion, the best player in franchise history. Um, it, some people think Michael Vick or Julio or Roddy White. You can you can think that. To me, it's Matt Ryan leads the you know fourteen years he spent in Atlanta. <clears throat> I think, and you and I talked about it when, when the Falcons were in on Deshaun, um, and then lost on Deshaun. At that point, we were just like, we really don't deserve him at this point. Like, and he said it in his press conference. I don't know if you listened to his indie press conference. He goes, listen, like I was in communication. The Falcons, I may not have liked what I was hearing, but I understand the business side of it. I understand that the Falcons uh, need to get a little bit younger at that position. And he said, okay, well, if I'm not going to play here, I only want to play in Indy. I think it shows what a, what a classic franchise the Falcons are to mm-hmm. send him to the only team he wanted to go to. Like I, I texted you, he doesn't deserve to go to Seattle and be on a bad Seattle team, right? So you mentioned he's got a really good run game in uh, Indy. He's got a really good offense line. He also has a really good defense, a really good general manager, a really good coach, and a really good owner. So the whole situation in Indy is great for him. Um, You know, the Falcons are – they're paying $40 million to Matt Ryan, to him not to be on the team, which is not ideal. But it is what it is. Falcons are going to suck with or without him. We're going to be worse without him. you know, I, I hope Marcus Mariano can kind of show the league that he might still have something. But as a starter, I, I just don't see it. But I actually saw something in, in a, on Twitter, and it was uh, – remember Matt Bryant, the kicker? Yeah. But Money Matt. It was his wife posted a, uh, a tweet and tagged Matt and Sarah Ryan on it. And I responded, and I was just like, Matty Ice and Money Matt with like a sad emoji. And she actually liked my tweet.
0: It's just I like, love that.
1: Those guys were like – there were legends. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, we have, you know, our kicker now, um, young Waku is is on his way to being a legend, whether it started with the onset kick and then the accuracy he's got with his leg, but Matt Bryant was automatic. Matt Bryant, if they were in the red zone, we would getting points and it was from the Matt. So just, you know, a big thank you to Matt Ryan for everything he's done for the city and uh, go, go get yourself a ring. I, I don't think the Colts are, they're not one of the best AFC teams with Matt Ryan, but they're. You got to look at it as like a year to year thing. The Commanders, I think, improved at the quarterback position. I, I personally think Carson Wentz is better than Taylor Heineke. Absolutely, That's just, it's just me. Um, I think Matt Ryan's better than Carson Wentz. So uh, if Philip Rivers could get this team to the playoffs, I think Matt should be able to get him to the playoffs, especially in this division. And uh, I think the Colts are set up in a good, you know, good scenario with Matt Ryan. So he'll get in there. He'll learn the playbook. He'll, uh, and listen, I've talked about it all the time about Frank, Wright. He's the only coach that's gotten Carson Wentz to be an MVP caliber quarterback. And he was that one year, Mm -hmm. I think it was 2016 before he got injured. So he should be able to do big things with Matt Ryan. I still believe Matt Ryan's arm is not dead.
0: Um, It's definitely not dead.
1: I think And the Colts, correct me if I'm wrong, I think they have the most cap space remaining in the NFL.
0: Uh, I'm not sure on that one. You're probably correct, though.
1: They did at one point. I don't think they've signed many, many people. So, if I were them, I would look into getting Jarvis Landry. Um, Allen Robinson's gone. But other than that, I heard their GM talking. He said they like a lot of their young guys, um, giving them a chance. But I would imagine they get someone in free agency and or a trade and then draft people as well. But – He's got Michael Pittman, who's off to a very good start in his career.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And he has the last year's NFL rushing leader as well. Um, Yeah, you know, Ben, I think think Matt Ryan finally got the organization, all the things you listed out that he deserves. And look, Matt Ryan's going to have another chance to play in the playoffs, which is what I want the most for him. Matt Ryan's name gets drugged through the mud a lot. I want him to play for a team like this where he actually has a defense that's, that can have his back when he puts up thirty plus points. I want him to have a run game to actually complement him, so he doesn't sit back there and take an ass beating because our team can barely run for fifty yards in a football game. You know, like I want all these things for Matt Ryan, and I'm glad he's going to get it in Indianapolis. And ultimately, I think he's going to get a, get a final run at a ring in Indy. I mean. I, th- I personally would take Indianapolis to win the division. I mean, that's just my opinion, though. I, between them and Tennessee, it's to I me mean, neck and neck. I think now that they have the quarterback position there figured out, I mean, you just pointed your finger at it. They did it with Phillip Rivers. They almost did it with Carson Wentz if he didn't implode in that game against Jacksonville. So I think that's, those are all great points. I think Indianapolis will make the playoffs this year, and Matt Ryan could, is going to have them as a Super Bowl contender. Obviously, the AFC West is extremely stacked, but I mean – Outside of that, I'd say they're pretty much as good as anybody in that AFC. The AFC just keeps getting more and more loaded. Matt Ryan's a guy who's an MVP, and he's been to a Super Bowl, so we all know what he can do. I think he only makes that team better, and it's a perfect spot for him, and it's going to help him solidify himself as a Hall of Fame quarterback in the NFL, and leave no questions unanswered with that. Um, from the Falcons' flip side of things, though, guys, look, we suck straight up. Our, <laughs> <laughs> there's no way to, other way to put that um like Ben said you know maybe we can get something out of Marcus Mariota he did make the playoffs a few times He is a running quarterback I mean we haven't had a running quarterback in Atlanta since we had Michael Vick as our starting quarterback so maybe that can change things up but yeah it's going to be tough times here in Atlanta I mean Dean Pease was able to do some stuff with the defense I don't think losing Dante Fowler and bringing in uh I mean I think don't think losing Dante Fowler will do much to us bringing Lorenzo Carter though could be good for us when I look at the Falcons roster it is tough, man. After the Lombardy Zacchaeus, our next wide receiver is Frank Darby, and then Austin Trammell is our th- wide receiver three. Obviously, we do have Kyle Pitts, but it's a pretty tough scene outside of Kyle Pitts over there. And offense, Quarterrell did come back. I did see a picture of him signing his contract, so there's no way he can leave now that we're in the position that we're in here in Atlanta. But, Ben, there is good news, though. We're going to be able to draft a defensive stud in this draft. I, look, I wouldn't be furious if we drafted Malik Willis, but I'm just going to say this. I just told y'all who we have at wide receiver. How is Malik Willis? How is that setting him up for success? We already know the offensive line sucks. We our wide receivers suck. There's no way we can set city, him up for success. He might, he might sit a year under Mariota. Now that idea I would definitely would not hate if he sat for a year, but
1: because we had Mariota for two years.
0: Yeah. See, I think Atlanta will end up using one of these second or third round picks to bring in a wide receiver. I think we'll use our – I think we need to use our first pick on a defensive stud. And then at that point, guys, it's, we're going to have $40 million available in cap space. I mean, I for sure hope we're able to trade Calvin Ridley for something of value and we'll get his money back. Atlanta's going to have a ton of cap space next year. We can bring in stud wide receivers and offensive linemen, whatever we need. We're going to have the money to pay for it, and we're going to have a rookie QB on his on his uh, rookie contract, which is absolutely massive. Honestly, guys, I think bringing in Marietta is the right move. It ensures that we're going to be the prob- arguably the worst team in the NFL next year, which is exactly what we need. I hope the Falcons go 2-15 and 15 on the year and both wins are against the Saints. So I think things, if anything, are looking up for the Falcons. Honestly, it sucks, guys, accepting the fact that we're going to be the laughingstock of the league this year. And we pro- I would be shocked if we won more than four games. So it's definitely going to suck watching all that. But at the end of the day, Falcons fans, next year, things are going to be brighter.
1: I'd rather go –
0: uh, I'd rather have a two-win season than go 500 and not make the playoffs. I agree with you completely. And you know, I know why I like a two-win season, Ben. It means, because pick. it means we can sweep the Saints. That's all that matters to me, baby. If, if Falcons <laughs> could get – as Jay-Z said, said, the debts could go 0 for 82. I'll look at you like that shit gravy. If Falcons could go 0 and 17 or 2 and 15, I'll look at you like that shit gravy as long as we beat the Saints, though. <laughs> Love it. Um. Ben, anything else you want to say on this before we move to our other big breaking news we had in the NFL?
1: No, we can move on. We can move on.
0: Let's move, move on, on guys. Matt
1: Ryan.
0: Yeah, it's, a, it's an end of an era in Atlanta. It's time to bring in the new era, the Marcus Mariota era, which will only be lasting for one year. Then it's time for another new era. If, if y'all do remember... Like Ben said last time, we lost Vic to, to prison. We went three and fourteen. Then we brought in Matt Ryan, and we made the playoffs. I think the same thing is going to happen next year. So let's keep that same positive attitude, guys. Ben, today we had another block blockbuster trade. The Kansas City Chiefs refused to make Tyreek Hill the highest-paid wide receiver in NFL. He threw a hissy fit, and now he is a member of the Miami Dolphins. Six draft picks later, he is or five draft picks later, he's on the Miami Dolphins now. First of all, Ben. I thought this was a win-win for both teams here. Kansas City's going to is now has a little bit of cap space they can use to probably bring in one of these remaining wide receivers. On top of that, they're going to have a bunch of draft picks, so they can get younger and bring in more, uh, bring in more help as well around Mahomes. I assume they'll probably be targeting one of these wide receivers in the draft, if I had to guess. But Ben, what do you think this means for the Dolphins, man?
1: Well, I think it we finally get a real look at Tua because they also brought in. Uh, two offensive linemen. They brought in Armstead and I uh, can't remember someone else, but uh, I mean, there's no excuses anymore for Tua. Um, he's got the fastest wide receiver duo I would imagine in NFL history. Um, he's got a better offensive line because they've drafted guys over the past couple of years, as long as they can develop some of them. And now they have – the left guard and left tackle are going to be new. So the left side is all good, and then everyone else is probably a draft pick. They have five running backs on their roster. None of them, I would say, are like great, but you don't need a great running back in the NFL. You just need a serviceable one. I mean, have you seen the list of running backs that they have? It's actually hilarious. I know
0: they have Miles Gaskin, Chase Edmonds, Matt Burita. I don't know who else they have. Let me find it.
1: They have Chase Edmonds, Raheem Moser, Miles Gaskin, Philip Lindsey, and Malcolm Brown. <laughs> Good so I, don't I don't know what they can. I don't know what to do with five running backs, but they have five running backs. They have um Gillespie's a very good tight end on a franchise tag that also helps Tua, uh, and we know they have a good defense, or at least under their old coaches they had a good defense. So they, I think this trade just brings in what Mike McDaniel like McDaniel's forte is. He likes yards after the catch. It doesn't get much better than Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. So. I think they gave up a lot. The fact that they gave up five picks for one player in Tyreek Hill versus a better wide receiver in Devontae Adams, only going for two picks, I don't understand that really. Um, like Tyreek Hill was cheap when they traded for him, but then they already extended him. And Devontae Adams hadn't been paid yet either. The Raiders were paying him. So it was the same situation contract wise. So I don't, I don't quite understand that I think it's a good trade for both teams um the last thing the part I'll say about the Chiefs is I think Tyreek Hill will miss Patrick Mahomes more than Patrick Mahomes will miss Tyreek Hill
0: so no I absolutely agree with that completely look I don't blame Tyreek Hill at the end of the day when he first came to the league he was making like 500k so I guess he's got to make up for that I don't blame him for going to get his money but buddy You were playing with Patrick Mahomes. I know you're getting the bag. You're the highest paid receiver in the NFL. You could give a damn at this point because you got your money. What happens? But there is no way you can possibly say this move had to do with anything besides money and your living conditions. I get it, man. Living in Kansas City is probably not the best. Now you're living in Miami, Florida. Now you got a ton of money. But you don't have Patrick Mahomes giving you that football anymore. I know he was good when he had Alex Smith there, but Patrick Mahomes took Hill to the next level. Hill was a top ten receiver. Mahomes took him to the top three ranks with his numbers he was putting up. I agree with you, Ben. It, 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 I just feel like that this NFL offseason has been weird. Like, there's really no standard for how how much a player is worth. Like, Russell Wilson was traded for less than Sean Watson, who's probably going to be suspended for a good bit of the season. On the other hand, Ty Devontae Adams, like you said, he's a better wide receiver. Goes for less less than um than Tyree Hill just did. I mean, it literally makes no sense what all these guys are going for. Um, it's I don't know it's absolutely insane to me but I will say this the AFC is just absolutely loaded when you think of all the teams you have out there that are good the Bills the Dolphins just to start at that division and then you have every single team in that a and that uh are bad. say that again the Patriots aren't bad. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the Patriots. The <laughs> Patriots are good, too. Exactly. Now you have three teams in there. Then on top of that, you look at the um, AFC uh, North, you have the Steelers, you have the Browns, you have the Ravens, and you have the Bengals who just played in the freaking Super Bowl. Then you have the AFC West where you have four teams that can make the playoffs. I mean, it. and then the only division that's really not that stacked is the South where you really only have the Titans and Colts. I mean... It's just absolutely insane to me, Ben, at this point, how stacked up these divisions are. I mean, even the Jags got better in that division. They were terrible last year. The AFC is beyond stacked. The NFC is an absolute joke. I mean, literally, I think if you moved half these teams over to the NFC, all of them would be favored to win the NFC. That's how crazy it is at this point. So it's going to be one wild season on the gridiron.
1: The AFC North has amazing quarterbacks, and it's not the best quarterback division in the AFC anymore. Like, I mean, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Garoppolo, and – who's the fourth team uh Deshaun Watson
0: well you mean Bacon. well the Steelers only have Trubisky or do they just get Garoppolo or
1: Trubisky I, no no, no I, I I mixed this up so Trubisky Lamar Jackson um Deshaun Watson slash Baker Mayfield and Joe Burrow and that's not the best quarterback division in the AFC which is insane so yeah um the NFC quarterbacks I mean so where do you just real quick like obviously Brady's one mm-hmm. I know you hate him but Rodgers too you hate both of these guys um who's
0: who's next is it Dak probably honestly I mean I'm not the biggest Dak like I'm not saying is like me liking a player or He's disliking just, yeah. him like I think Dak is good but like I think Dak is like oh an 12 guy I'd, I'd take Dak over Stafford for sure um I mean that's that's the top four yeah, that's crazy. And then the four, I mean, the thing is, San Francisco is probably the third best team outside of the Rams and the Buccaneers. I mean, it's probably San Francisco and their quarterback. I mean, we don't even know who it's going to be, if it's going to be Garoppolo or Lance. So, I mean, the NFC is just wide open. It's all up for grabs. I mean, who – it, it, it's just absolutely insane. I mean, it's crazy how the power shifts. I mean, the, it was the exact opposite a few years ago, you know, like you had Breeze, you had Rogers, you had Matt Ryan and the, the actual good Falcons. You had... Um,
1: Cousins.
0: Yeah, Kirk Cousins. I mean, you had all these good teams in the AFC. Now it's the exact opposite, I mean, the NFC. So now everybody's in the AFC. I mean, it's just kind of like in the NBA, how the Western yeah. Conference used to be insanely stacked up. Now you look at it this year and the Hawks can barely even get in the playoffs when they would be like the eight seed in the West. And now they're the 10 seed in the East. You know, it's it's insane, man. Um, all right, Ben. Anything else we need to talk on football before we get down to the March Madness? This was
1: the goat NFL offseason. Absolutely, I, I can't I can't remember one the tops this.
0: Nah, there, and there probably won't be one that tops this, but honestly, I love it. It goes to show you how much that every single team wants to be successful and how that if they see one team in their division, that they're not satisfied being the second best team in their division. They have to go out and try to do something to one up each other. Literally every single team in the AFC West tried to, tried to one up each other. Even, even Kansas city did after the Adams trade by getting in Juju Smith, schuster not saying he's even anywhere in the ballpark of Dante Adams, but at least they tried something, you know? Um, And it
1: has, it's been like when someone gets a quarterback, someone, um, someone counters it with like a pass rush. So it's like, mm-hmm. it, it's just insane. Good luck to the AFC West.
0: Yeah. Good, good luck in the, in the AFC in general, it's going to be crazy to watch how it all plays out. Ben and I, I promise guys we'll have plenty more football talk coming for y'all in the coming weeks as the draft is approaching. We'll try to break down prospects, give you all our analysis and everything. Everything's looking pretty wide open right now for the draft. I've looked at 10 different mock drafts today. Every single one was completely different Anyway, Ben, this is what everyone's waiting for, man. It's Marsh Madness. Real quick before we get into the Sweet 16 and tell you all who he thinks coming out of each bracket with the way they're played out at this point. Let's talk a little bit about last weekend. Obviously, St. Peter's was the most surprising upset of the entire weekend. Then, outside of St. Peter's, what was your most surprising upset you saw?
1: Ooh. I, well, first of all, let's go with, before I answer that, I think we should say, like, an upset that everyone thought was going to happen that didn't. I mean, Providence... Not just you, but a lot of Mm -hmm. teams had zero belief in Providence. So I think that needs to be mentioned. The upset that did – or the the best upset that did happen, I feel like I'm blanking on one off the top of my head right now. Um, Who beat – who beat Auburn? Miami. Okay. Not that one. I'm trying to think uh, if you have one, oh, I mean, to me, just for my bracket purposes, Richmond beat Iowa. I, I think mm-hmm. so many people had Iowa going far. Um, I think you can throw that one in there. Um, you got one on the top of your head while, I, while I'm trying to think of another one.
0: Yeah, you know, a lot of people probably say UNC beating Baylor since they're the first one seed to get sent home, or obviously the Auburn one at St. Peter's. I'm going to go with Michigan beating Tennessee, man. You know, look, I get it. Yeah, Michigan boy. Michigan had a lot of stuff go their way, like the fact they got to play against the – Mountain West conference. who went oh, and put up a goose egg 0-4 oh, this weekend. On top of that, you know, Tennessee is not an easy matchup, but they let them play in Indianapolis where they literally played the weekend before and got eliminated. And I feel like that they tried to really put everything in Michigan's favor as much as they possibly can. That was an all Michigan crowd there. I would say it's probably Michigan, honestly, the fact that they were able to able to win that one. So that's the one that I've uh that I'm picking picking for me. What what do you think about that? You say Michigan is probably the most shocking?
1: That one, I mean, I think like, like I said, Providence, but like Iowa State making the Sweet Sixteen has got to shock people. Um, I actually, pick that almost, one. Did you ha, in the Sweet Sixteen? You have them?
0: Yeah, I had Iowa State. I had Iowa State and North Carolina both correct.
1: I guess. I mean, I was like maybe thinking like I mean different seed wise, but like Iowa State this year almost feels like what Oregon State did last year. Like everyone's like they're terrible, but they just keep winning. Well, you're not terrible if you're in the Sweet Sixteen. I mean, yeah. I guess you can just say it to, well, oh, they're just hot right now. But, I mean, I don't know. They, It's working. Whatever they're doing is working. Um, I'd probably say just, like, yeah, I think a lot of people were shocked that Texas got it done. They were the higher seed, but Virginia Tech coming off an ACC championship, I know that you were saying the legs could have been tired for playing mm-hmm. that many games. But if you believed in Texas before this tournament, you're just lying to everyone <laughs> yeah. because they are so inconsistent and they got it done um as i really think providence being here um maybe i'm saying that because i know that you've been really hard on them but they're close everyone looks at it as a negative as they've they've only won these close games why doesn't everyone spend it as a positive it helps you play close games in march for the most part you don't see a ton of blowouts yeah. they're comfortable in these situations they've done it all year i i think that's helped them so far um We'll see how far they can go. They have some tough matchups coming up, I'll tell you that, though.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one, Ben. I think Providence getting this far, I mean, I'll give you my words on that one, man. I mean, you can say a team's lucky all season long, but once they keep doing it over and over and over again – it's not luck at that point anymore, you know? And then also too, I think I was just a little more pissed off at the way Illinois played. I think I was a little wrong with Houston. Houston's definitely legit. I think the entire AAC as a conference kind of showed out. And you know, if anything, it makes Houston look that much more impressive how well they played after how well Memphis played Gonzaga. I actually thought Memphis Gonzaga was the best game of the entire weekend. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's some crazy insane games. And just the fact that Memphis gave Gonzaga a run like that. And I mean, they had some terrible fouls called against them. If they didn't get all his fouls called against them, I mean, that one would have hit ab- – I mean, that would have been insane to see Gonzaga go down like that. By the way, Jalen Duran, I actually love him for the NBA. This guy's a beast on defense. Drew Timmy went beast mode in that game. Like, he had, I think, like four points at halftime. He ended the game with 24 points. He went off in the second half. He put the Zags on his back. Chet looked lost out there. So, I'm going to ask you about three coaches.
1: Okay. What do we What do we do? And one of them's a for sure Hall of Famer. The other one might be Hall of Famer. What do we like? What do we do with John Calipari, Rick Barnes, and oh, I just blanked on the last guy. Start with those two. They're both very good coaches, and always have been. And you shouldn't judge coaches' overall resumes just based on March because it's very hard to win in March. But this is like Rick Barnes' thing now. Like. Yep. I mean, everyone has a thing that's like them. I don't know if you're a friend of the a fan of the show Friends, but like Ross Geller getting a divorce—that was his thing. Like yeah. this is Rick Barnes's thing. He's terrible in March, and John Calipari's thing is nobody does less with more than John Calipari, and it's ridiculous at this point. I really think it is.
0: No, I agree with you completely. And the funniest part, too, about John Calvary losing that game, I don't know if you heard his post-game conference, but he's like, man, I want a national championship. I had all these players drafted more than everybody who's this, that. He was pissed off. Like, you could tell he was listing out all the things he's done that other people haven't done. And that's how you know he was pissed off. You know what I mean? Like, well, he let's was li- give him
1: credit. There is no coach that puts the talent like yeah. he does. His, his NBA guys are unbelievable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you could play a five, if any, if you could field a team of any team's guys and play against them in the NBA, Cal party would definitely have the best team by far. I mean, it's not even a question. Duke would have some pretty nice teams, but definitely not compared to what Cal party had at Kentucky. But anyway, I agree with you, man, on Rick Barnes. I mean, Rick Barnes, look at all the talented teams he's had that's come through. The only team was that Grant Williams team that he was able to get. It. That was his first time getting the Sweet Six Team was with that Grant Williams team. I mean he had a team with freaking Kevin Durant and two other NBA players on there that he couldn't even get out of the first weekend with. That's pathetic.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I would say so. I'm trying to think of that third team. And I just can't think of him right now. I'm going through the bracket just to it wasn't Bruce Pearl. Don't it? oh, Illinois coach, Brad Underwood.
0: I mean, I'm gonna what, say this. About Brad, Illinois. Underwood, Brad
1: Underwood might he might not have this much talent on one team ever again. I mean, he had the national one of the national player of the year candidates on his team and uh Kofi, he had I think all of his guards are upperclassmen. And one of them hurts his team, but he won't admit that. But like upperclassmen guards, a national player of the year candidate and a big man, and they got bounced in the second round last year as well, I think. It's just like I I don't know what it is, and it's a problem. It's this thing that he's not a great coach in March either. Which I know that you don't judge people off March, but, but it's like I mean, he won the Big Ten. That I think that is big. I just don't think he's as good of a coach as some people think. I don't no. know if he's the right coach there to bring them as far as they want because they were they were sweet they were easily Sweet Sixteen good this year. You could have made a case they were Final Four good this year.
0: Yeah, I agree with you completely on that one. Look, I'm not just being hard on them because they absolutely hosed me with my Yuchi Chattanooga money line bet, which would have been my biggest victory of the entire year gambling. And then on top of that, I lost on them against Houston. I'm not even upset about any of that. Look, first thing I'm going to say is, Andre Cabrello is awful. When they they stopped playing, they took him out in that UT Chattanooga game. That's when they came back and won. He had a negative 12 plus minus in 10 minutes, didn't even touch the floor anymore against the Houston game. I mean, I don't have any vendetta against this guy, but, I mean, he looked terrible out there. He was literally throwing the ball where nobody was out of bounds. I mean, it looked like he's – I don't know if he's just, like, nervous or what, but looked awful for a guy that I read a lot about, and they said that he had a ton of promise. Second thing I'm going to say – Kofi Coburn is a dumbass for returning to to Illinois. He entered the transfer portal, was going to transfer out, and he decided to return. I mean, that team's offense, you have a guy who's getting double and triple teamed in the post. You're kicking it out to them for wide open threes and they can't hit anything. I mean, it was literally awful. They have no offense except force it into Kofi, and then he kicks it out to someone who misses a three-pointer. Illinois, I mean, Illinois looked awful in that game. That was one of the worst, like, ba- just basketball-wise. That was some of the worst basketball I think I've watched the entire year, and I've watched some pretty shitty college basketball games. And that was by far the worst basketball I've seen a team play at Illinois. There's, they don't do anything on offense. Like, there's no movement or anything. It's just throw it in and then throw it back out and miss a three. I mean, it's not Kofi's fault. You know what I mean? He has nothing around him the announcers are like keep giving it to him give it to him and
1: I mean the defense they're playing against just they don't let you do what you want to do <laughs> yeah. and that, that I mean they got out coached by Houston in every way possible
0: no absolutely I mean I don't yeah like I mean I don't blame them I mean that's really their only option is to throw it into, into Kofi I mean there's nothing Kofi could do about it he was getting swarmed every single time he got the ball shout out Kelvin Sampson man um I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we need to discuss about March Madness. Oh, the other thing that I want to talk about real quick is do you think that Jabari Smith and Chet Holmgren have possibly played themselves out of being the number one overall pick? I've seen a lot of people talking about it because, I mean, Jabari kind of no-showed that game against Miami. Chet also kind of, I mean, Chet, Chet has not played well in big games so far in his college career. What do you think?
1: I, I don't think so. I don't think you base it up one game. I, I think mm-hmm. you still look collectively of what the guys did overall um, throughout the entire season. I think it's still very impressive for both of them being in their first year of college. Um, I I get why some people would think that, but that's that's not the case that I think of
0: yeah i'm gonna agree with you on that one look miami has a bunch of guys who've been in college for a long time i mean isaiah wong's been there i think this is his fourth or fifth year um cam mcgusty was a freshman in college at oklahoma true but a year before trey young even went to college so the fact he's still playing college ball is absurd yeah he's that he's been in college that long it's absolutely insane this is his sixth year of playing college basketball um I don't. I agree with you, Ben. I don't think you can overreact to one game. Look, Jabari Smith. It is what it is. Auburn lost. I still think he's top two most talented guys. He wasn't the guys. only one that played bad. No, exactly. That's what I'm saying. And then on top of that, for Chet, I think it's tough for Chet, man. You know, it's it's hard to play with two big men, and especially when Drew Timmy's the focal point of your offense. You know, and Chet's kind of the secondary guy to him. I'm sure this is the first time ever that Chet's been the number two option. You know, so I get it, man. Like it's it, there's some games you know where you can't play with two big men in there like that. So. I think, I think Chet's a freak. I think he's still coming along. I still think he, I think his ceiling is insane for him. So I don't knock either of them. And look, I'm going to say this about Paulo Paulo. uh, I've watched him play more. I'm a little more impressed by him. I still think he has no jump shot really in his game, but I think his size—he can guard anyone one through five and switch. There's no way I take him over either of these two guys. Thought Jaden Ivy had a great showing too. He hit some. He didn't actually attempt a field goal in the first half, and then knocked down two key threes to break Texas's back when they battled all the way back in the game. I thought it was a good I thought it was a pretty good tournament for him. I think he solidified himself as the fourth overall pick because we did watch Keegan Murray struggle too, but I'll give Keegan Murray the benefit of the doubt on tire legs. And they also fouled the shit out of him and they didn't call it on that three. So that I'll, game I'll, was absurd. I mean, yeah, I was
1: so not because I had him in my final four, but uh, in the, the last minute, they missed like five calls total in the game. I think three of them were five. No, I mean his elbow. Keegan Murray's brother, his elbow got whacked. And the ball lands short. It's like, I mean, why do you think the ball landed short? Yeah,
0: it was blatantly obvious. That was that was terrible officiating. I mean, that game was crazy. As a guy who bet on Richmond and a guy who had Richmond advancing in his bracket, I felt fortunate to to have them advance in my bracket. Um, and the last thing I want to say is I watched the most horribly officiated basketball game I've ever watched slash almost choked seen a team choke away it was that North Carolina and Baylor game. Oh, I mean, look. I will say this North Carolina Hubert Davis did a terrible job, draw like figuring out how to break the press and get through everything. But it was so horribly officiated. First off, Manic did not intentionally elbow that guy, whatever, give him a flagrant one. So they gave him a flagrant two. And then on the flip side of things, so- uh, Sohan tackles Bay- Baycott, who kind of nudges him, and Baycott gets the flagrant foul and the foul for it. I mean, literally North Carolina, like they're literally on the play where Meyer rolled his ankle. He slams into the guy's back. They don't call a foul on him. Like literally it made – that was some of the worst officiating I've ever seen. I get it though. You want to try to make the game a little more interesting. But like it, it was horribly – like that was the worst officiated game I've ever – think I've ever watched in basketball. Like there was so many fouls they weren't calling on Baylor. It was, it was terrible.
1: I will say that like for the people that watch baseball – we complain about the umpires 24 7 college basketball like there's not a sport that you and i watch in that hockey i know that you don't watch but like you wouldn't really know in hockey yeah. it's not as blatant but like baseball nba college basketball football in both sports like we complain all the time it, i guess it's tough um I, I don't think college basketball is that difficult or just basketball in general, I, I think the rules are pretty clear, what you can and can't do. I don't think it's that hard to referee, but I've never done it. So technically I shouldn't say that, but it yeah. is what it is. We're going to complain about it all the time.
0: And for that is another reason, Ben, why I can never be a referee. My mom asked me so many times why I would don't want to referee sports and try to be a sports referee. I said, mom, said you and my dad have and myself have yelled at referees enough. That's exactly why I would never want to do that. I'd, I feel like that'd be a terrible occupation. It, I,
1: umpired, I umpired a t-ball game, uh-huh. and I had a dad yell at me. I was like, your son is playing t-ball. He's four or five years old.
0: <laughs> that would probably be me as a dad, to be honest. So I feel his pain a little bit. Anyway, Ben, let's get down to it, man. We got eight games, four games Friday, four games Saturday. Or Four games Thursday, four games Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We'll have two games apiece, and then we'll know what our final four is going to be. I'm very excited to watch these. It's going to be some great basketball. We'll start things off, though, here in the West region where we have number four seed Arkansas taking on the number one seed for the entire tournament, the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Total in this game set at 155. Gonzaga is a nine-and-a-half point favorite. Ben, what do you think about this game?
1: We haven't really seen a uh, J.D. Notte game just yet, right? I, I yeah. don't think we've seen Um Kind of waiting for him to still explode. Now, who's that other kid they have? Is it Richard something Richardson? He's been. Let me go check the box score. He it's the dude in their in their game against Vermont, just absolutely lit up the scoreboard with like five or six threes or something like that. Let me find out what his name is. But Williams, they're big men. He has got to play this game without fouling. And and Drew Timmy's going to get him in foul trouble because that's what Timmy does best. Um, It is not Richardson. It is – they have – they have Tony and they have Amude. Both of those guys can light it up in threes. But anyway, Williams has to stay uh, composed in the paint. Timmy's going to pump fake his ass all day long left and right because that's what Timmy does, and Timmy's footwork is just unbelievable. Um, but that's what Gonzaga's going to try to do. I'll tell you that right now. They're going – to get Williams in foul trouble because once he's out, Arkansas gets a lot smaller in the front court. They need J.D. Note to score because – and here's the other thing off by Andrew Namhard, the starting point guard for Gonzaga. One, he's a stud. Two, he played every minute of that last game. I don't think he sat once. His legs are going to catch up to him eventually. Arkansas, I think, needs to run and run and run. And I know that that kind of plays into Gonzaga's strength because Gonzaga – when when you score on Gonzaga, they get up the floor as quickly as yeah. possible. I think, I think Arkansas wants to play that way as well. I think if you're just going to go half-court set versus Gonzaga, they're the best in the country. They've always yep. been the best in the country in half-court sets. I think Arkansas needs to get transition threes, but they need J.D. Nerte to be the star that he was all season for them. And I think they can do it. Um, Musselman's not going to get out-coached. His, his guys are not going to get out-hustled in this game. I just think Williams has to stay out of foul trouble, and they need to be able to shoot the ball. And we've seen tournament teams, I'm sure you've seen the theories, but the new ball teams are not shooting the ball that great percentage wise. And they, they really need JD Note to lead them here. He had, he fouled out last game against New Mexico State. He had four offensive charges against him. Yep. He's got to play a lot smarter than that.
0: Yeah, he got in foul trouble in the first game, too. I remember he had four fouls with seven minutes left, and they went ahead and threw him back in there against Vermont. And luckily, we were able to pull it out down the stretch against Vermont. That was a pretty crazy one as well. Um, yeah, you know, I think that I think Gonzaga definitely wins in this game for all the reasons you said. I think that they just have too big of a mismatch down low. I think that Drew Timmy is really wants this championship. I think he's going to give him everything he's got. I believe this is his last run in college basketball, so – I think that for all those reasons said, I think that Gonzaga is going to end up winning this game outright. I think nine and a half, those a little much for all the reasons you said, I actually think Chris likes is the key guy here for Arkansas. Obviously note is going to stay out of foul trouble, but if Chris likes can get hot shooting the ball, he can give them that secondary score that can play on the floor with note and another passer as well. I think likes can open a lot of things up here for Arkansas. I like Arkansas to cover the nine and a half, but I think that Gonzaga ends up winning this game by five, six points.
1: I, and you know what? I've kind of noticed. I don't know if it's like a, a trend. I don't know if we can call it that yet, but a lot of the underdogs have covered in the first half yep. before the game kind of explodes in the second half away from them. I think if you want to look at the arc, obviously it's a shorter line. It's a line. What is it? Nine, nine and a half.
0: Yeah. It's probably going to be four and a half in the yeah four and a half in the first half. So it's probably four,
1: four and a half. It's obviously you're getting a worse number with not that many points. You think whichever one you prefer, um, I I think Arkansas is the side to take in terms of the spread, but I agree with you. I think Gonzaga is just too much at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't think they'll be able to get past them, but I think it should be going. Also, too, here's just a little insight for y'all. Gonzaga and the Sweet 16, last three times that they've been a favorite by eight or more points, they're three and zero. They were 12 and a half against Creighton last year, won by 18 in 2015. Eight and a half against UCLA, won by 12. 2019 there, minus 8 against Florida State, 1 by 14, so I don't know if that means anything to y'all. It doesn't really mean anything to me personally. Just figured I'd throw that and, in there.
1: And I said it when we first started. Everyone says every year how Gonzaga chokes. They don't choke. They make the Elite 8 every single year, it seems like. And that's not choking. They just play their worst game at the wrong time. I don't mm-hmm. consider that choking. I guess it more sounds like an excuse, but Gonzaga typically beats the teams that they're on paper better than.
0: That is fact. They're better than Arkansas. Yeah, they're definitely better than Arkansas. Also, too, Ben, I hate to bring it up, but this is the only SEC team that made it to the Sweet 16. Kind of sad for a conference that we thought was the best. Um. Anyway, though, let's go to uh, the ATT Center in Houston. Shout out ACC. Yeah, shout ACC out to ACC. ACC was
1: well represented.
0: They were well-represented. I still think they're a garbage conference, though. If though, I'm p- pissed off with the way our basketball is at this point. We used to run shit. Now it's the exact opposite. But anyway, let's go to uh, San Antonio, Texas here. AT&T Center is where these other games will be played. Um, we got the number 11 seed Michigan Wolverines tipping off at, against the number two Villanova Wildcats at 729. This is the second game of the day on TBS. Villanova, five-point favorite over under in this game at 13 or at 135. Ben, what do you think about this one? These games are incredible.
1: These game, I mean, these matchups are unbelievable. Um, it's weird. Like, I don't really know what to think of Michigan. Um, I think in this game, I think if I had to take anything betting-wise, I'd probably lean towards the under because Villanova okay. – uh, Just really good defense. The way Michigan is playing right now, I, I think they're playing well. But for them to have any chance in this game, they have to shoot the ball efficiently. I don't know if that's something Michigan is capable of doing. Uh their best players are big men. So obviously that kind of slows down tempo a little bit. I think Villanova rolls on in this game. They're they're similar to Gonzaga. If if on paper, if they're a team that they are better than, they beat you. They're unbelievable on the defensive. And in close games, they're gonna be they're gonna win it all. Mm-hmm. It, 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 they are they're the best fruit throw shooting team in the country. If the season ended right now. Their team free throw percentage before last game was 82.5%. That's an NCAA record. In close games, they're not losing because they hit free throws. And at the end of the games, they're going to have all five guys in the court. The worst one is probably 70-something percent for the free throw line. And Colin Gillespie, if you like, this dude is just – he is like – one of the announcers kind of compared him to Jalen Brunson. And it's just the way that they're so controlled. Like they get to the spot that they need to every single time. They make quality
0: passes.
1: That's just like Villanova's MO, I guess. And it works.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's also what happens when you play college basketball for five or six years at the same school with Jay Ryder as your head coach. That definitely might have a little bit to do with it as well. Um Look, I think this is two different styles of basketball. I mean, we saw the way get, way that um, Michigan played in those games. I mean, literally, they just threw the ball in the middle to Hunter Dickinson and to Diabate, and they literally just used those guys to play bully ball. Look, they might try to do that against Villanova. They might be able to get some two-point baskets. Villanova is going to play five out on offense, which is the exact opposite style as they're going to want to play here. They're going to spread them out, and they're going to get buckets all across the floor. I think Villanova is going to run them out of the gym. I think Bill, I love Villanova minus five here. I think Villanova wins this game by 15 points. I really think Michigan was fortunate to get to this second round weekend here. And I think Jay Wright's going to flex his muscle on Jawan Howard, who I don't think is that great of a coach. Hopefully there's no hand slaps in the, uh, or face <laughs> slaps in the, in the hand line at the end of the game. But yeah, I don't, I don't think I, I personally think they're going to go at Dickinson and at Diabate off the dribble. And they're going to make those guys play defense. And those guys will be sitting on the pine pretty quick with some hand checks. So, I like the Wildcats to roll here. Let's go to the nine thirty nine game. The winner of this game takes on the winner of Arkansas Gonzaga. We're back in San Francisco on the, in the West region, and we have number three Texas seed Texas Tech playing the number two seed Duke here. Texas Tech is favored. The other seeds favored. Ben, is this Coach K's last game he ever coaches as the head coach of the Duke Blue Devils?
1: I don't know yet. I think I I think Texas Tech um, they probably shouldn't be favored. Um, yeah. Defensive efficiency, they're number one in the country. Defense has really played in this tournament so far, Um, unless the game has been a blowout. I think this game, and there's one thing to look for in this game, and you're going to think it's kind of funny, but you're also going to think it's true. I think the winner of this game determines how the referees call it. Texas Tech is very physical on defense, Mm -hmm. and they have not gotten fouls called yet but playing against coach K is a different animal when it comes to playing the referees. Coach K is going to get a majority of the calls that he wants. That's just how it works in sports. Yep. If Texas tech gets calls for these, these check fouls, these hand check fouls and the arm bars in the post Duke has an advantage in this game because Duke does have a better offense. I'm still not that impressed with the shooting ability that Duke has. I'm, Really not. I think they're dominant in the paint, uh, which should play a factor in this game. They are the bigger team with Mark Williams. By the way, Mark Williams, the dude's got a post game now.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: unbelievable how much he's improved from last year, where he didn't really play until the uh, end of the season. And he looked pretty good. Now he looked great. Paolo and uh, you know Theo John doesn't score much. But um, Wendell Moore likes to get in the paint. Like they're outside shooters. AJ Griffin, uh, Roach can shoot from the outside. Trevor Keels can shoot it from the outside, but a a great shooter. Like Duke dominates the paint. That's what they do. It's gonna come down to how this game's officiated. I I I don't like that. Um, because I do think the GOAT, Coach K, will play an advantage in that, just like I think Nick Savvy can get away with with some stuff in football. Um that that's how I see it. I, I don't think you're gonna disagree with that.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree with your breakdown at all there. Look, I want to go to go a big-time matchup here. First of all, A.J. Griffin hurt his ankle last game, never returned. He's Duke's best outside shooter. Texas Tech yeah. has the best defense in all of college basketball. They're going to clog the paint here. I don't think Duke's going to be able to shoot the ball on him like that. Duke's shooting is not that well. I think Paulo is going to get shut down personally by this Texas Tech defense. I think this is coach K's last game that he coaches here. I'm thinking I'm not officially yet, but I'm definitely betting Texas Tech, but I haven't officially max bet yet, but I'm thinking max bet on Texas Tech minus 1 here. I just don't – I think Griffin's going to play. I think he's going to be extremely ineffective. I think Duke will not have the shooting. I think Duke loses this game by 10, 15 points and gets run off the floor by wow. Texas Tech. I like the Red Raiders role here. And I'll, get, and I'll get to my other part of my Red Raiders prediction here once we tell you all on what teams are making the Final Four. Wink, wink. Um, let's move to the final game of the day as we're going back to the uh, South region where we have number 5 seed – the Houston Cougars taking on the number one seed, the Arizona Wildcats. Ben, I already know we're going to be on opposite sides here. The spread on this game is mm-hmm. Arizona minus one and a half. The over-under in this game is at 45 and a half. I'll go first on this one just because I want to hear what ben, Ben's rebuttal to this. Look, give me Houston, man. I was extremely unimpressed with the play of Arizona's point guard. I can't remember how to pronounce his name again. Kerr. Yeah, Kerr. He lo- He did not look healthy at all. He was one for 10 in that TCU game. Look, TCU is not a terrible team. They're, I would say they're a middle-of-the-pack Like, they're a middle-of-the-pack tournament team. But there is no reason that they should have taken them to go to overtime in order to beat this team. It should not have happened. I don't believe in this Arizona team, honestly. Look, the entire West Coast Pac-12 and them, they did terribly against the spread. They only had three covers as an entire coast against the spread. The West Coast Conference, the WCC, and the Pac-12 did terrible in general in the entire March Madness bracket. I think that they go home here. I don't think that the what think the West Coast gets any teams except for Gonzaga moving on to the next round. I like Houston in this defense. This Houston defense has been insane. I mean, they battled through injuries and everything. Kelvin Sampson seems to know what to do with this team. I think that I disrespected Kelvin Sampson a little bit, and I apologize for that, Kelvin Sampson. Even though I know you're never going to hear that, um, yeah, I like I like it. I like Houston here. My, plus the one and a half to win this game outright and send the number one seed home. So betting-wise, I agree with you. Uh, Houston. You have
1: majorly been respected in text messages. Don't make me pull them up for the people. You never believed in Houston. I don't you're saying you believe in them now? You didn't believe in them at all before. Um, I told you this defense is unbelievable.
0: Ben was right. And it is.
1: Um, Arizona, they did not look great. Kerr. You know, he missed the entire conference tournament. I, now he's getting time off. I'm sure he's been rehabbing even more. Uh, we'll see what he looks like. Uh, Benedict Mathrin. Oh, my God. First of all, that dunk he had, dunk of the tournament. I know we have games left. Dunk of the tournament. He dunked all over TCU's Big Eddie. Um,
0: Big Eddie.
1: Arizona showed their strength in that TCU game with their depth. With their depth. They had two guys who really went off for them, uh, Matherin and uh, number 35. His last name starts with a K. Um, I can't think of it right now. God, but they know. really sh- they showed their depth and they showed their poise with the young head coach because they had to come back at the end of reg- regulation. Matherin hit that massive three. Massive. That basic Basically forced overtime. And they regrouped. And they really did. And – it was a controversial call uh, at half court. I personally still think it was more of a flop than it was a foul. I think you could call it both ways though, but I think Arizona's depth is still their strength. I think they proved it was their strength. They proved that they do have a star that could lead them and hit clutch shots. I still think they're in good shape, but it is worrisome a little bit. And their baskets are not going to come easy against Houston because that's Houston's MO. They force you into taking tough twos is their MO. I remember Kelvin Sampson said, it. he says, your best shot against us is a tough two. And that's probably what it's going to be. Arizona's got the best high low game in college basketball remaining. And I know that Gonzaga's got two really good big men, but no one does it like Arizona. Mm-hmm. When they toss that ball in the paint, you better watch their guards. Cause they set back screens, back cuts, and they get open for three just as easily as anyone. I still like where Arizona's at in this game, and I hope playing a little bit larger of an opponent, a little bit better, um, you know, like in the Ken rankings, and just in general, I think they're going to respect Houston a lot more, even seeing that they could have gone home against TCU. But we'll see, because Houston's not not going to back down, and they are going to play this game extremely hard. So I would take Houston in terms of betting, but I still think Arizona is the better team. I still think Arizona moves on.
0: Yeah. Um, by the way, Kyrie Irving is just cleared to be able to play home games. That's huge. Um, but anyway – um, stay on topic here. Yeah, you know. By the way, I forgot to even mention Ben Mathurin. He impressed me a lot in the tournament. I think he's going to be a good player at the next level. But hey, that should be a hell of a game. I'm kind of glad that's the last game that starts. so We'll get an ISO in at the finish of that one for sure. Um, let's go to let's go to Friday. Kick, tipping off at 7:09 in the East Region. We have the Saint Peter's Petox, number 15 seed, taking on the three seed, the Boilermakers of Purdue. The spread on this one, Purdue, 12 and a half favorites. Over under in this game at 13 and a half. Look, my pick's quick for this one. Yeah. Give me the team that's that's now 22 and nine ATS, the best ATS team in the tournament. I'm going to take St. Peter's to cover the number. At the same time, though, I think Purdue gives them the beat down here. Look, Oscar Shibwe had 30 plus and 15 plus boards in that game. It wasn't his fault that they ended up losing that game. Purdue has two guys that are just as good as Oscar Shibwe, if not better. Purdue's going to win this game, man. Nah, Hopefully St. Peter's can slip in the back door. Yeah, yeah all right. you're right, Ben. You're right. Not better. Sheway is better, but two guys that are damn good and on the same yeah. level as he is.
1: I mean, one of them's is bigger. Like, how old is St. Peter's going to stop Edie? seven foot two, seven four, whatever he is. I just – it's not going to be a great matchup. Um, but as you said, they're the best ATS team in the tournament, and that was when the tournament started. That's not remaining, right?
0: Yeah, that was the term it started. they were the best ATS teams, and they're still here. And also, this is the third time a double-digit seed
1: has reached the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, Florida Gulf Coast, Dunk City, and Oral Roberts did it last year when they were double-digit dogs in the Sweet Sixteen. Both of those teams were like St. Peter's. Is. They both did cover. Obviously, every year is different. Every opponent's different. I'm just saying, if you like trends, it's two and zero in the exact same spot. I agree with you. Um, I would take St. Peter's here. I would honestly maybe even take the over because if you feel like St. Peter's is going to cover, I don't know. I don't know how much defense that they're going to be able to do. I just think they're I think they can score on Purdue based on Purdue's defense, but I don't know how they're going to stop Jaden Ivy or Edie and Williams. So I think, I think those two kind of correlate. So if you wanted to take two picks, I think St. Peter's with the spread as the dog and maybe the over, because if St. Peter's has any chance in this game, they have to stay efficient. And uh, listen, we got another Dougie McBuckets. We had Doug. Mc...
0: Wait, Ben, your audio went out.
1: Dougie okay. St. Peter's. He there has we a go. Fantastic mustache. And he's got a great stroke from threes. I, I think you got a roll with St. Peter's.
0: Yeah, absolutely. St. Peter's, ATS, Purdue rolls easily in this game. Um, stepping off at 729 in the Midwest region, we have number four Providence taking on a number one seed. Kansas This game will be in the United Center home of the Chicago Bulls in Chicago, Illinois. Um Kansas seven and a half point favorite, over-under in this game's a 49 and a half. Ben, what are you thinking?
1: I-, I think the under. Providence is a team that plays defense. They're okay. not a great shooting team. And Kansas hasn't really shot the ball all that well yet. Um, Providence like Houston, they're not going to back down from the big boys in this tournament. We know Bill Self's teams can choke a little bit. Um, what do you think of like Abashi so far? Uh, he he had a better regular season than tournament so far.
0: Yeah, to be honest with you, I really haven't watched any of Kansas's games. So they actually played the last game of the day on uh, Thursday. I actually fell asleep um, when I flipped over to that game, and then on. Friday or on a Saturday, I actually was had to had to take care of a few things and run a few errands, so I chose to do them during that game since I had no skin in. Plus, I knew that the two best players were out for Creighton, but I actually haven't gotten a chance to watch them play yet in the tournament.
1: Um, I would just say he's not shooting the ball as efficient as we know he can. I think Providence is a very good defensive team. I'm gonna take the under in this game. Um, I, I think, think Providence note. can. I think Providence can slow this tempo down and make it more like their style of play. I think Kansas can win whether they play quick or slow. They run a pretty good half-court set. Um, I'm not comfortable on the spread just because I, I don't fully trust Bill Self as the tournament gets later and later. Um, but I do think Providence is kind of running up against the Giant in this situation. So I feel a little bit more comfortable with the total than, than a side.
0: Yeah, Providence actually 12 and two against the spread on the road this season. I think Providence keeps it with inside seven and a half points. I think that's a little healthy here. I'm not that impressed with Kansas. I really don't think they're that good. Like you said, man, Providence wants to play some close games. Maybe Providence can get this game close and have a little bit of their magic. Look, I know I doubted Providence. I definitely thought this team was fake. Look, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, man. The Big East as a whole seemed to be a pretty good conference. I mean, if Creighton doesn't lose Nimhard for the season, who knows? Maybe Creighton's still dancing right now and would have beat upset Kansas in that game, you know, like – there's a lot of things you can say about that conference in general. I personally, with the way I look at things, man, I think that uh, I think that Providence is going to keep it close here. Who knows what can happen? I personally don't think they'll win the game straight up. I think Kansas will roll and end up get, winning this game. But I think Providence is going to cover the spread for sure. I think seven and a half is just a few too many. I like Providence to keep it inside the number. Um, next game up here, tipping off at 939. I think this is the best game of the entire day. We have number eight seed UCLA taking on the number or number four seed UCLA taking on the number eight seed North Carolina. This is back in the Wells Fargo center in the East region. Um, UCLA two and a half point favorite overrunner in this game is at 41 and a half. I think this is my, this I'm between this one or Texas tech is my favorite bet of the entire of the entire weekend. I like North Carolina here, man. And I'm going to tell you exactly why. First of all, North Carolina's playing their best basketball they've played the entire season. This team is resilient. I mean, they beat Baylor's ass until all that bullshit happened at the end to kick the game into overtime. That game should have never gone overtime. North Carolina's playing confident. This goes a little way back to when they blew out Duke. I remember North Carolina played Pittsburgh. I just took the over and I won, but North Carolina lost at home to Pittsburgh. Ever since that loss, I feel like Hubert Davis, after calling out the team, they've turned, turned They've turned over a new lead. This team's been draining threes and everything. Feels like their veteran leadership has, sta- has um taken over as well. I think Bab is going to eat Cody Riley and UCLA alive in the middle. Also, Johnny Juzang has played terrible. He's shooting barely 30% in March Madness, barely averaging 16 points. Also, on top of that, their other best scorer, um, Jaime Jaquez, rolled his ankle and did not return to the last game. I mean, this is a team that biggerly beat Eastern Washington or whoever their 14 seed was they played in the first round. I think they got fortunate and drew drew an easy opponent in the second round. I don't think shit's going to be sweet for UCLA right here. Give me North Carolina to win this game outright. Let's keep rolling on to our heels. I actually love this game,
1: Uh, and I agree with you on North Carolina. I also want to add the over. North Carolina okay. doesn't play a ton of defense. No. They do block it, they do block a decent amount of shots, but they don't play a ton of defense. I know UCLA has plenty of scores. And I like North Carolina the game based on the way they're shooting. So I think I'm just going to take both of those because I think it makes sense to put those together. Uh, but I agree with you on everything you say about North Carolina. The guard play they've had has been unbelievable. The Amanda baycott has been unbelievable. Brady Manick. Brady Manick doesn't miss.
0: He does. Brady it. Manick
1: is unbelievable. And I, You know, I think he's going you to know, play a little pissed off with the way that his last game ended. Yeah. He was probably having a career day. I would imagine he was well, – I don't know if he got to his career high in points, yeah. but he was going to hit it. Um, And that game never would have been close because they couldn't stop Brady Manning. So I think those kind of things make me want to take North Carolina, but also makes me want to take the over.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on all those things. Also, too, Ben and I love to call it matchups. Here's a matchup for you Leaky Black, the defensive specialist, is going to be on Johnny Juzang. I think it'll be a frustrating game for Juzang and this UCLA team and the overrated Pac 12. Last game on the slate here before we give you our quick final four predictions to get out of here. I know this has been a long podcast. We got number 11, Iowa State, taking on number 10, the Miami Hurricanes. Miami is currently a two and a half point favorite. The over under in this game is say, 133. Ben, what are you thinking?
1: I'm sorry. I was on mute there. Um, Listen, Miami is playing unbelievable basketball right now. And so is Iowa State. It's two teams that I don't know if people think they're both good enough to be here, but they are here. Um, (laughs) Iowa State, they can't shoot the basketball. Like, it is amazing Mm -hmm. that they are this far. And it's obviously a testament to how good they are in defense. Their point guard, by the way, he was a five-star recruit and he's from Wisconsin he's from like Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So the fact that he kind of snubbed Wisconsin, like Tyler Hero did is something. But I'm gonna take Miami here. I think Miami's a better team. Miami had a very good regular season until they kind of fell apart late in the season. I think Miami's worth uh taking the points with because I just don't think Iowa State's very good at shooting the basketball.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree with you on that one, but Miami shot one for 14 from three as as USC was like nine for 21 against three, and they're still able to beat USC. I don't know why that isn't talked about enough, but it isn't. And look, I think Iowa State's defense will be able to turn these guards over for Miami on top of all that. I just think Iowa State's on a roll right now. They're playing their best basketball the entire season. Look, Miami's a very Jekyll and Hyde team. We saw them get hot, and then an ACC play lose a lot to a very mediocre ACC conference. I mean, they shit, they lost twice to Florida State. That says enough about them right there. Um, I personally think that Iowa State wins this game. Also, like 85% of the public's taking Miami, so take that for what it's worth. But I like Iowa State here. I wouldn't be shocked to be catching plus three come tip on Friday night. Ben, before we get out of here, man, Let's, let's go through our little bracket here and let's do our final four. So coming out of the West region, I'm going to go, I'm going to say Texas tech is last man standing out of the West region. What say you Ben?
1: I'm still going to go with Gonzaga
0: bear. Um, yeah, actually I actually have Arkansas in my bracket that's still alive, but I don't think that's happening guys. All wishful thinking at this point. Um, what about in the East region? Who do you think is going to come out? Tar heels, tar heels. Okay. I don't hate that pick. I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say Purdue, man. I just feel like Purdue is due a chance to come out of here. Big 10 has been good enough all season long. I think Purdue ends up getting out of there. So I have Texas Tech in Purdue. I don't hate your North Carolina pick. You have North Carolina and Gonzaga. Um, Flip side of things in the South region, who you got coming out of there?
1: My champion, Arizona Wildcats.
0: Okay. I have my champion, the Villanova Wildcats, the right Wildcats coming out of there um last one our midwest region who do you think is coming out of that one ben
1: i still think this is i think this just favors um kansas to, yep. to just no end I, I i don't think miami and i iowa state have any chance I, I, I think it's up to providence to get kansas or kansas is due so give me kansas
0: yeah, I agree with you completely. Also, too, there's only been one year, which was that Final Four in Houston, which was the one where that UConn played Baylor or played a uh, Butler in the national championships. It's the only year when one seed hasn't made it the Final Four. I think this is our one seed that we get in the Final Four right here. Um, all right, Ben, you have your Final Four matchup. Who's playing in the Natty and who's taking it? Are you still going with Arizona over Gonzaga?
1: Yeah, um, I am just because I think North Carolina. Um, so I have North Carolina obviously beaten Purdue. Um, cause I think if they match up well, I, I think big men to big mm-hmm. men, North Carolina has got the size. I think they can handle the guard play. I know that they both teams don't play much defense. Um, I think if North Carolina advances to the final four to play Purdue, then I think they're still shooting the ball very well. Um, I, and I think I mean, it makes the same thing. I think they match up well against Gonzaga, but I think Gonzaga's big men are so skilled compared to Purdue's, like Edie, it's really just size with him versus Timmy has the best footwork I've seen in a long time in college basketball. Then Chet can just inside outside game. I'm just a big Andrew Nemhart fan. I think he's a really good leader. Um, Bolton for number 45 Gonzaga. I think he yeah. transferred in. I, I just think their guard play they they go so quick, but they don't really turn the ball over. I, I think Gonzaga. And then I'm just going to stick with it. Hag Gonzaga losing to Arizona. So stick with the Wildcats hoisting the trophy. That would mean that the mentee beats his mentor. Oh, Tommy Lloyd. Tommy Lloyd was um, just a quick background of Tommy Lloyd for Arizona fans. If they're listening, they're going to have a lot of success because Tommy Lloyd was the head international recruiter for Gonzaga in his years under Mark Few. Think about all the names Gonzaga's had over the years of international guys, whether they played high school in the States a bonus. or not. They've had a lot of guys. Uh, who was that big guy? Karnowski or yeah. That big lefty. Right. They had, I mean, they've had a lot over the years. Um, uh, Rui Hachimura was an international guy. I think he played high school basketball in the States, but he was an international prospect and uh this, that was their top guy that recruited all of them. So Arizona looked for them to get some international prospects over the years. I think Arizona's depth just goes against everyone. Because if some guy's having a, a bad night, as long as it's not Benedict uh, Matherin, I think other guys can step up.
0: Yeah. Um, I think that would be a great national championship game. But wouldn't hate to see it play out that way, Ben. Fortunately, though, I'm going with Purdue versus um, Air- Villanova here. And – Look, I think Villanova is going to be able to spread him out. I think that Travion Williams and Edie won't be able to be enough of a factor for him. I think Jay Wright gets his third national championship. I think he's got the guys playing well, and I think he's going to send off Colin Gillespie to go play basketball over in Europe for the rest of his career with another national championship. I'm sorry, Gillespie, I don't see much of an NBA future for you, buddy. But yeah, hold I, on.
1: If Austin, if Austin Reeves from Oklahoma can play, you don't think Gillespie can get a chance?
0: Austin Reeves is also six seven and a sniper from three. Six seven. Yeah, he's like six seven, six six. He's tall. I didn't That's know what I'm he was saying. Six, he's seven. Yeah, see, he's got the height. So, fortunately, I think that'll be the last ba- meaningful basketball game that Gillespie plays on American soil, unless he plays in like that TBT tournament or whatever. That you know, I'm talking about the basketball tournament yeah. or whatever it's called, unless he's playing out in that for the Villanova <laughs> team. Um, but yeah, you know, I think that uh, at the end of the day, man, I think the Wildcats are the best team left, and I think they're gonna prove it and flex their muscle. But hey, Ben, I think it's gonna where be where would great-
1: that where would that where would that rank Jay Wright? Among coaches, that
0: would be his third national championship. Number one. Stop. I put oh, of the active coaches. Think about it. You don't have Coach oh, K or Roy Williams yeah. anymore. I put him at number one of <laughs> the active. Obviously, I mean, no one's ever gonna. Um, I, I, am embarrassed. Oh, John Wooden. I almost drew a blank on Coach Wooden's name. Obviously, nobody's ever gonna unseat Coach Woody, but he's still always gonna be number one. I hear you Yeah. Um, Ben, anything else, man? Before we get out of here, it's been a long one.
1: No, just enjoy the tournament. Um, it's been a blast so far. It, I, I think it's been a really good tournament.
0: No, absolutely, guys. I think it's been a really good tournament. I would expect more crazy drama to happen as the tournament continues to unfold. But like I said, guys, everyone enjoy. Please gamble responsibly. And Ben and I will talk to you all again on Monday.